This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. Oh, Jim, here we go. Hi, Cam. How was your weekend? It was great. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, relaxing. Did you show up for everything? Did you, I, yeah. When I, you got there, did you perform well? It was exactly where I needed to be. Good for you. Every time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big be- week coming up. Happy Monday to you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be a big week. Very busy week uh, here on Jets at Noon. Cam Poitras here, Jim Toth. Uh, yeah, not a good weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. Back-to-back losses, um, allowing nine goals in the process uh, and scoring once. I've said this before. Actually, for a couple seasons now, whenever these lulls happen, I've said of all the things I think the Jets could struggle with, scoring, and I know every team goes into a lull, but scoring is all—it's always fascinating to me how this team can't score, and they can't score right now again. No, absolutely not. Uh, Of course, lots of other stuff going on in the National Hockey League, including the deadline coming up on Friday to help us uh, unpack that a little bit. We're joined by Darren Dreger, NHL Insider on TSN. Darren, thanks so much for uh, jumping back on the show. Always appreciate it. You bet, fellas, anytime. Double D, good to to have you, Double D. What are you you hearing about the Jets? (laughs) Well, I mean... I can tell you that uh, there was some interesting feedback right after the Nino Niederreiter trade. And that was coming from other teams, other team execs around the National Hockey League that believed the Winnipeg Jets got great value in Niederreiter Mm -hmm. for giving up the the second-round pick in 2024 that they did. And that deal caught a number of teams by surprise. And, you know, not to suggest here that, you know, there was – you know, potentially a piece or something that was left on the table. But if you go from then and you fast forward to where we're at today, having this conversation and the likes of some of the deals that have gone down in the last 48 hours, uh, I think that that adds even more value to acquiring Nino Nino Rider. So, you know, there's still time, obviously it's Monday trade deadline on Friday. Um, you know, perhaps shovel day up can, continue to add in in some capacity but you know as i just said the asking prices around the national hockey league haven't come down yet they might if the sellers uh, don't like that there isn't as much activity on friday as they were hoping or expecting even thursday it you know teams start to get a little bit twitchy but right now that's kind of what i'm hearing from those that are in the buying market is that the prices do need to come down that's kind of what's holding up a, a chickering deal, eh? That's what I keep hearing. It's it's the price. Everyone's kind of hanging on and saying, all right, we'll, we're going to wait to see if they'll uh, reduce it at least a little bit. And then you see Tanner Janot well, go with that King's Ransom on his way to yeah. Tampa. So it's like, who's willing to pay? Yeah, that's what it boils down to. And, you know, Tampa Bay decided that it, it was worth investing five draft picks into that equation. And they give up, you know, Cal Foot is a decent NHL defenseman too, right? But, you know, Tampa Bay is in a different world. You know, they're looking at the Stanley Cups they've won recently. They believe that their core uh, has at least another Stanley Cup, maybe more in them. So, you know, to use old Cliff Fletcher term, draft schmaff. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, they're going to materialize. Well, they're not going to materialize into Stanley Cups in the next three to five years. But right now, given the core that the Tampa Bay Lightning have, you know, it's it's worth taking that gamble. I'm curious to see how Tanner Janot is going to fit with the Tampa Bay Lightning because pro scouts that I connect to, and I'm not being critical of the kid, other than their interpretation of his game right now, 
is that he's digressed a little bit this season. He has. So, you know, it seems pretty evident that the National Predators saw that, but in saying that, I can tell you that Julian Breeze-Walk and the Tampa Bay Lightning feel pretty fortunate to, to get a young player like Jano. They feel like he has the skill set that is going to help them now, but they also have some some player protection too because of his age. So this was one of those rare occurrences where a team was, was willing to belly up with a boatload of draft picks to get a piece that they think is going to help them now but in the future as well. You know what's fascinating about this, Darren, is, is we were kicking this around last week. Do the Jets go all in? And all in means if you could get Timo Meyer, Chikrin and give away four high-end prospects and four to five picks and just deal yeah. with it in a year and a half from now. And there was some of our listeners that were in on it. Some of them said, no, it's Winnipeg. You can't ever do that because it's a different kind of market and all that. What's fascinating about the trades yesterday with New Jersey and Tampa Bay and even Needle Rider is just the different philosophies GMs have from around the league and their situations and how they deal with it. Like there's no yeah. right way, right? There's just, there's many different ways and it's fascinating yeah. to watch how others feel about it. Right. I get that. Uh, and you're right. I mean, you know, each market is a little bit different and that comes from media and fan reaction to how you approach. Um, but to, to, to use your uh, example of going all in and trying to acquire, say both Timo Meyer and Jake Checkard. It's, it's just not plausible, right? Because of all of the assets that would have to go out one of those deals, let alone both of them. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm going to repeat myself here on Nino Niederreiter because that was a sneaky good ad by the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, here's a player that comes in with a heap of pride. You know, I was just circling through. Has he, was he nine straight years of making the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's coming in Winnipeg. I know that he looked at the roster, likes what he sees. He's going to be a good fit for Rick Bonus, and he's going to play with pride. And, and he's got some experience, and maybe he can drag some others along. You know, the playoffs aren't in jeopardy here for Winnipeg, I don't think. I mean, they're, what is it, three points out of first? Um, they've got to play better. They've got to work their way out of this funk. And I do think, again, Sheveldayoff is in the market. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's in the market for probably some depth pieces unless something surprising we're going, you know, was going to land at his feet. And that might be the case here, guys. It could be. The Jets have the cap space that they can keep it interesting right until the trade deadline. But, you know, when, when you're swinging with uh, the likes of Timo Meyer or Jake Chikrin, look, Jake Chikrin's saga goes back to 2020, of, of, you know, November is when Arizona Coyotes first approached him. November 2021, say, we're going into rebuild or we can trade you to a contender. What do you prefer? Well, I'd rather go to a contender. And yet here we are in, <laughs> in end of February 2023, and we're still talking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to give you a little bit more depth of perspective here, um, you know, let's use Ottawa as an example. I'm pretty sure that the ascot of Ottawa was two first-round draft picks and either Ridley Gregg or the, the prospect goaltender Sogard. Well, you can't do that. You know, I mean, how do you do that? And that's a team like Ottawa that has turned the corner. You know, they're likely not making the playoffs. Let's be real here. But you can look at the Ottawa Senators and see how they're going to be a playoff contending team absolutely next year. But they're not willing to give up that level of asset. So you're right, it's market to market. But, man, when you're giving up those sorts of pieces, that can do some serious damage to your future. 
I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, and Kevin Cheveldayoff are still in the market. They're, they're kicking tires there. Do you think that there is any movement for, I guess, maybe any bigger deals? Or is there anything, in your opinion, that would fit sort of that definition of a depth forward or a depth guy on the blue line for the Jets? Well, not quite yet. Um, but again, as the market truly established, and I, I don't think it has because – we keep circling. Like I tweeted earlier today about what the Edmonton Oilers says and the Gapple are up to, right? And, and you know, this is kind of the, the, the broad approach of a wily old veteran in Ken Holland. I'm sure he's still having conversations with Mike Greer and the San Jose Sharks about Eric Carlson. Well, that's top of food chain on defense. And we know that he's uh, talking with David Poyle and the natural predators about Matthias Ekholm. You know, again, an older player with – a few years left, a couple of years after this year, left in his contract at $6.25 million. You know, it's, it's, it's a gamble. But he's also having conversation with Montreal and Joel Edmondson and probably looking at some lower-end guys, maybe Luke Shen from the Vancouver Canucks. Those are the conversations that you have to have, but you can't target one individual player until you get to that place in a trade negotiation where you know that the other team is willing to close on the deal. I was reminded of this last week. You know, and, and maybe it was around, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the Ryan O'Reilly and the Achari train from St. Louis. Um, and it might have been even before that, Tarasenko to the New York Rangers out of St. Louis. And I was reminded by one of the executives involved in that who said, look, when you can close on a trade, you close on it. If you know it's a trade that you want to make, you make it when you're as soon as you're able to make it. Problem is, whether it's Winnipeg or any other team, for that matter, that's still in the hunt. I don't think that those negotiations have got to a place yet where they are willing to close. And that obviously was the case in, in Winnipeg Landing Niederreiter. So let's see if there's another piece or two that come along the way in a similar fashion. Does the Eastern Conference know that only one team can win it? I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Apparently not. <laughs> uh, but th- it makes it fascinating, uh, Darren, for sure. So so this being said, I, uh, the one last question I want to ask you about the Jets specifically is, how concerned at this deadline is Kevin Cheveldayoff for what happens after next season? And and kind of like there's there's several ways to look at this. You could load right. up and there's there's two chances yeah. here this year and next. Or is this summer something where he has to figure some things out with guys like Dubois and Shifley and even Hellebuck yeah. and Wheeler? Like how? So what does this week kind of emphasize for Kevin Cheveldayoff in your mind? Yeah, I, I mean part of that, but I don't think that he's looking for players to put the. I mean the holes aren't there yet, are they? You know, and and you don't know that they're ever going to be there. You know, could there be organic change? Yeah, I think that there absolutely could be. I think that that's natural. And let's see how far the Winnipeg Jets go in the playoffs. If they don't go as deep as they're hoping, well, maybe that encourages uh, a different approach to maybe the core of the team. But you don't know that yet. And, you know, you get into dangerous territory when you're peddling away futures because you're a bit worried as to what might happen. You know, people want to think, okay, well, Pierre-Luc Dubois, is this the year? This has to be the year that he ends up in Montreal, right? We've been speculating on this. Certainly Montreal media has for how long now. Um, So does he acquire a piece that then becomes backfill? I I just don't think you can do that leading up to the trade deadline and in season. You can can try and do some of that in the offseason because then you have more, you know, flexibility across the league, more teams involved. You've got a clear indication of what the financial future looks like. And that's a problem, too, here, guys, isn't it? Like, 
You know, Gary Bettman keeps saying that's going to be a flat cap of a million dollars in the boost of the salary cap for next year. Well, the Players Association hasn't made that determination. You know, they could present to the NH. No, no, we want it to go up three million, and then the following year we want it to go up another four or five. So those numbers matter when you're making those decisions in the off season. But I, I don't think you try and plug the idea of a hole in your future at or near the trade deadline. It's too difficult. Uh, Darren Dreger, NHL Insider, joining us. Just fantastic stuff, Darren. Really, really appreciate you, you jumping on and giving us your insight. Uh, and, and just, uh, yeah, just awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, my pleasure. Try, try, to, try to enjoy what a slow, boring week this might be, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it'll I mean, be fun. kind of the weekend. I, it, it'll be fun, but it's the same thing every year, right? We see, you know, this, this swath of big trades. And then you get to Friday, and you're going, "Oh boy, we're hoping that we're hoping that Chickering or Carlson or at least a few of the bigger boys remain in play." And I'm sure that'll be the case. Yeah, well, it'll be fun. Have a good week, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, take care. Okay, guys, thank you. You know what? It's it's amazing. To Nobody me. more in tune with the Jets than Darren Dreger. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. You know what? It's amazing to me how we can be this close, and it's just like the market hasn't still solidified itself, and everyone's still waiting, and sort of so many unanswered questions yet as we as we head into a break here and we'll come back and we'll talk we're getting text messages from everybody um one texter uh is saying hi please cam and jim give some uh honest optimistic opinions on the Jets slump uh i need i need hope (laughs) staying optimistic hoping nino is a spark they need that from vince and then um, we'll address the weekend in this. Oh night, yeah, yeah, we're going to address. There's lots to get to here, and, and Kelly Moore is going to be joining uh, Jim Toth at 1:45. He's at practice. Uh, Rick Bonus doing a lot of barking. Where's Nino Nita Rider fitting in? Where is he on the line? Is he on the power play? Which unit power play? Well, we all have the answers to all of those questions, and we'll get to that after 12:30. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Happy Hi, Monday. Sarah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Do you want to know why? Happy Monday <laughs> on this one-minute power play with Sarah McCarthy. Yeah. Here's the question for you today on this one-minute power play. You also got the power? by producer Kevin. Um, who would survive the longest on a deserted island camera gym? For some reason, I'm, my gut's saying Cam. Oh sorry, my, Jim. this isn't <laughs> even true. Oh, By God. survived, you I... mean within a week sucking his thumb, asking for mom? <laughs> Is exactly. that what you mean by survive? See, listen, Sarah's got, she's got good mom! eyes. She sees a survivor when she, when she looks. I would do anything, anything to survive. Would you ever I, go on survive? I really hate to do this because if we were there together, I would ensure that you would be fine. <laughs> oh, but yeah. You by yourself, it's just like, Jim, Help Jim. Me. I'm right here, Cam. I'm just getting firewood. <laughs> oh, my God. Pull yourself together. I'm seeing eyes in the forest, Jim. Oh, yeah. We need to put this to the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Who do you but think? I do, I do have to shout out Jim today because Jim brought me a coffee if you've been tuned yeah, into this coffee what a, <laughs> segment. Yeah. yeah. Just sucking up. Just, just the gesture. You oh, bought. I so can't. Nice. I laid awake all weekend going, I he's, owe You know, Jim's like that kind of guy that you can't give a gift to because as soon as you give him something, he's like, well, I got I to gotta get something that's even get better. Back, I tell you yeah. all the time, I don't need anything. I'm low maintenance. I don't want it. And if you give it to me, it keeps me up at night. Now I got to pay it back. 
But uh, Sarah drinks a what's called a one and one, <sighs> and I'd never heard of these. I'm I'm what? used to either black or double double or like mm. the the birthday cake piece of coffee mm. where yeah. it's three sugars and four creams or whatever. No, no. So when I said, can I get one cream, one sugar, they said, so one regular? And I'm like, wait a minute. There's nothing regular about Sarah McCarthy, so I might have this order wrong. Mm-hmm. Nope, that's me. But that's your, your, you love the regular. I do. That's there all you go, need. Sarah. Simple. And after all yeah. that, she still says, I would be able to survive longer. It was nice when I gave it to her because it worked out nicely because she turned with thankfulness in her eyes. <laughs> But then looked right at you and said, well. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I don't want to mention that part. Anyways, thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, thank us. That's your one-minute power play with regular Sarah McCarthy. One and one, Sarah McCarthy. It's a good nickname, Sarah, one and one. Yeah, one and one. Did you know that's called the regular? Yeah, of course I, I did, knew that. I did not know that. Of course I knew that. Um, 204 780 So that's the kind of information that keeps you alive on a deserted island, Jim. You would know that <laughs> if you knew that sort of thing. How are we going to make it if you don't even know what a regular is? <laughs> shut up, Cam. No, you shut up. No, you shut we up. Can't, this isn't us. This no, isn't us. This is not us. This is the island. This is the island talking. <laughs> this is the island talking. This is the island speaking. This isn't us. <laughs> this isn't us. I had a friend once, I hadn't seen him for a couple months, yeah. I texted him, I said, what what happened to us, Miles? And he responded, everything, Jim, everything <laughs> Every, happened. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Jets practice here, uh, Rick Bonus was really, really barking at practice, uh, trying to get the guys going. I thought after the game on Friday against Colorado, he came out in the post game and he was using the stick a little bit for his guys. And then after yesterday's performance, especially in the first period, which, I mean, after you play that bad in the first, of course you're going to play better in the in the second and the third. He was using a little bit of the carrot, was being a little bit more uh, perhaps lenient on some of the issues. Um, but anyways, that's that was just my perspective on, on things. Uh, and then you hear him barking in practice. He was not happy and, and well, not look, as happy as thing. he was. Yeah. This is... I'm not trying to blow my own horn, but this isn't a Paul Maurice thing. This isn't a Dave Lowry thing, and it's not a Rick Bonus thing. No. It's their responsibility, but for everybody who can, I've always said, at the end of the day, it's a player thing. The coach is influential. The coach needs a system. The coach needs all this. But they're on hard times right now. They can't score goals, and they have to find a way that from what I've seen from this core for many seasons in a row now, that when the hockey gets tougher, they got to find their way. And some years they find it and other ways they don't. But I'm watching that game yesterday and it wasn't as bad as Colorado. Well, but, no. but it wasn't good and they couldn't score. And, and it, I look at this team and I'm watching yesterday and, you know, the second period, they come out a little better. Mm. Pierre-Luc Dubois drops the gloves. That got a couple shifts going. But I, I would think that I don't blame. I don't think Rick Bonus is putting on a show today. I think Rick Bonus is. Can I say this? Pissed off. Oh, I totally. And he understands what's what the frustration of other coaches in the past. Have I gone think he was with put. Core. I, I think he was put on a show yesterday in the post game when he was acting a little cooler and saying yeah. well, there's positives. But I mean today that's at practice, I, that's yeah. not. It's no, not no, no, the no, idea no. that I, everybody's no. incensed around this team, and so I yeah. got to fire things up and stuff. No. Um, w- this has to come from within. And they took the captaincy from from Blake Wheeler. And, and I was discussing this after the game with some some colleagues in the media and, and during the game. 
And I was watching Blake Wheeler. Like, to me, and people think I'm, just as I'm labeled a Maurice defender, I'm labeled as a, a Wheeler defender. Wheeler is fine this year, but he's obviously, I think he's still a little hurt, but he's, but he goes to the net, he plays hard, he's taking yeah. really short shifts. But his body language is like he wants to say something, and it, but it's not his job anymore. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. So then whose is it? There's Morrissey, there's Lowry. Lowry in the first intermission yesterday, the broadcast was amazing. He's like, the day off, whatever, it, it was good. But it, when we come out like this, it doesn't matter. What matters yeah. is how we come out. They're all saying the right things. They're all addressing it the right way. And they all say that what's true, if we knew we would get to it, but they've got to find it. Mm-hmm. And no one here, including you and I, can sit here and go, this is what they got to do and it'll happen. No. We can say go to the net because they need to. We can say outwork your opponent because they have to. But they know that. So this is an inner room thing where I'm actually fascinated by it. It's 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 like a... Because it, it's the third head coach, right? And it's, it's the it's, third time that they, when things have gotten harder in the last 25 games of the season, this team goes to this point. I said this last year to you, Cam, in Philadelphia when Mark Scheifele got benched by Dave Lowry. Mm-hmm. With I said with eight, nine, ten minutes to go, somebody has to come over those boards and lay out three guys and go back to the bench. Somebody has to take charge. Somebody has to make a difference. And we know who the difference makers are, and it's on them right now. And so I'm fascinated by this It's week. It's subconscious. It, ha- it has to be because I don't believe that this team is going out there and saying we're going to go right back into the old habits and we're going to come I out with you. Like there's no way that they're doing that. They're, they're listening to what Rick Bonus is selling them. They are 100% every single game intent on doing it. They know that it worked. They know that that's when things were going good for the team. These guys aren't stupid. But there's something that's happening when they go over the boards and see, I don't know. Nobody knows what how to fix this. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just happening. And whenever things get tough, it just it compounds. Nate the, Schmidt was great post game Friday. Yeah, Brendan Dillon was post game Friday. Uh, Nick Ehlers post game yesterday. Um, Adam Lowry in our intermission yeah. yesterday. They it's like it's a player's thing. And and this is a team that we've always said you have to lose before you can understand or whatever. And mm-hmm. I I understand that. What I get that philosophy. They've now done that. They, they've been to the playoffs and got knocked out in the first round. They've been to the playoffs once a couple of years ago and gone to the Western Conference Final. This core has been to the Western Conference Final, and this core has missed the playoffs last year. And in between, this core has gone out in the first round and gone out in the second round. They've seen and done it all. Mm-hmm. It's on them right now. Yeah, I agree It's why you. there's no captain. It's why they didn't have a practice on Saturday after the game on Friday because he talked to seven players and they said, well, I'm a little fatigued from the five games in seven days. So he goes, okay. Rick Bonus said that post game yesterday. The two things that stood out to me by Rick Bonus yesterday was I took away the practice because I didn't want fatigue to be an excuse. Mm. So they had no excuse yesterday. Yeah. The other thing he said was the short-handed goal, the opener from Horvat. We didn't handle it well enough at all. And I saw that live yesterday in the building. They got that scored goal scored on in eight minutes from Horvat. The other one was taken away, and it was like the air came out of the building. And there's not a coach on the planet that can fix that. Mm-hmm. It's the guys on that bench that have to fix that when that happens in a game. Kevin Chivaldayoff put his belief in these guys that they can fix it, and he's got the guys in the room that can fix it. And we saw that they can in the beginning of the year, and we're and we're seeing things slip back. Let's just let's talk about practice. Um, Bones was out there, not happy. 
Um, just a couple of things. Uh, Nino Niederreiter is wearing number 62 with the Jets, as I said, when we were doing the the, the sports minute there. Uh, David Gustafson back on the ice in a normal jersey. Appleton not skating. Um, he is doubtful dealing with another upper body injury. Did he re-injure uh, something in his arm? We're not sure, but he's remaining doubtful. Uh, while PLD uh, did leave practice a little early, uh, he's dealing with a nagging lower, lower body injury and will be a game-time decision tomorrow against the LA Kings. So we'll wait and see what happens happens there um uh as well and, and Axel Janssen Fialbi to make room for Nieder Niederreiter to join the roster bringing it to the maximum of 60 uh, 23 um uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi dropped now here if PLD is going to be able to go again he's going to be a game time decision uh the lineup the lines looked Connor Shifley Wheeler Man, when you need scoring, <laughs> what happens? This is this actually, Jim, and we'll, I'm, let me just go through the rest five of the lineup ago, here. Five years ago, I said they go to Wheeler-Shifley because it works, and this is the third coach going to it. And five years ago, I said it's not a coach problem. If they need if they need scoring, you will inevitably see this, this, this come back every single time. Yeah. Whenever uh, they need scoring, they'll go back to it. Because it works. Yes. Uh, Ehlers, Dubois, need a rider on that uh, on that second line here. Again, Dubois, a game-time decision tomorrow against the LA Kings, dealing with a nagging lower body injury. Metaline and Lowry, uh, Carson Kuhlman, um, again, uh, doubtful for Appleton. He's dealing with an upper body injury. Uh, Baron, Stenlin, Gagne on the fourth line. I'm not surprised Baron got dropped down to the fourth. And then Gustafson, uh, sort of that extra uh, that extra skater. Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan, um, and Pionk. Uh, Capo Bianco up there with Schmidt. Uh, likely, as looks like, when we'll, we'll confirm this tomorrow with the morning skate, but it might be Capo Bianco is going to come back into the lineup. And then Sandberg and Stanley were the, uh, the fourth pairing there. On the power play, Anita Ryder setting up in the slot position uh, with Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Pierre, Luke Dubois, and Josh Morrissey. In the second unit, Wheeler, Lowry, uh, Ehlers, Pionk, and Schmidt. The Leafs are loading up. Breaking news. They just acquired Jake McCabe with 50% of his salary retained. Sean, Sam, sorry, Sam Lafferty for a conditional 2020 and a conditional 2024 fifth round pick, conditional 2025 fifth round pick Mm. from the Blackhawks. For the Leafs' 2025 first-round pick, top 10 protected, 2026 second-round pick, Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogliev. The Leafs have acquired what many people were in on in McCabe and Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks. All this to lose in the first round. Wow. Well, this is the thing about the East. (laughs) I think it's phenomenal. And you know what's lost in all of this? Is I still think Carolina is the best team in the East, and they've done nothing. Yeah. And so I think they are going to do some things, but... I mean, there are five teams, the Devils, the Rangers, the Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning have all gone all in and only one team, two of these teams aren't going to make it out of the first round. Yeah. I mean, I I see the situation in Toronto and they're at the point where they, they have no choice. I mean, just look at them on cap friendly. They got, they got Toronto this year is the Jets next year. They, I would just because based on the situation, about where they are in the division that they're in. Tampa is always going to be a tough out just because of who they are. They know what to do. They know how to win in the in 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 the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, I I I I just think the the Leafs are just this year. I think they're going to be they're going to do it. They're finally going to get out of the first round. Whether they're going to get through Boston, that's a totally um, that's a totally another story. Um, we'll have to wait and see there. But I uh, Jim, I I just think I think the Leafs are right now the most talented that they've that they've been. 
maybe in net yeah. we could see their you net. Know, we could Sonoff see... is is doing the job. Like they didn't he... need Hall of Fame goaltending; they needed good goaltending, yeah. and he's good. Yeah, yeah, along the line there. But uh... I don't know if he's better than Vasilevsky, though. I love no. the addition of Ryan O'Reilly. I love that addition, but then I love yeah. the addition of Janot in Tampa Bay to counter that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the price that Tampa Bay paid is... My friend I grew up with, Jamie Pusher, is the director of scouting there. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I talked to him uh, when they were through with Tampa Bay. Uh, they have no draft picks in the first five rounds. They don't have a first-round draft pick. Like, I don't know if he has a job. <laughs> <laughs> What's he gonna do? We're looking for a seventh rounder. That's basically throwing a dart. I could I mean, pick. I mean, maybe, I could do a seventh round pick. Maybe the job gets easier now because basically you've got to steal the sixth round for the next two years. If you can <laughs> yeah. steal the sixth round for the next two years, yeah, get a second rounder, a guy in the sixth. Yeah. Uh, text messages here two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. This is sort of the pulse of of the fan base right now. Going to the game tomorrow. Do I dress for your funeral or a gala? Asking for a friend. Go Jets. Go. Uh, adding that um, uh, in the end there. You know, Jim, I mean, this is sort of the this and it hasn't been a good last six games. It, it really hasn't. But I will also say this, the Winnipeg Jets are not. And I know that some fans are and we're getting some of these text messages about, you know, I told you guys, these guys are going to be out of the playoffs and all, and all that sort of thing. The Winnipeg Jets right now are seven points up on Calgary for that final wildcard spot. They're three points back of first place Dallas right now in the Central Division. This isn't a situation where you're hitting the panic button. You've got to believe that these guys are going to work their way out of it. I'm not saying that what's been going on right now is not frustrating. I'm not saying what's been going on right now. We just spent the, the last couple of minutes you're talking about. It is concerning. But to say that these guys can't fix it, and maybe Nieder Niederreier is that guy that's going to step in. He's going to go in front of the net and chip in pucks and all that sort of thing and what they need to do. And I don't think that... I don't think that Sheveldayoff is finished, but I don't think he's – and just as Darren Dreger was just telling us, I don't think he's dancing around with the big picks. I think he's looking out who's available. And also here, I wanted to play this. This is from Kelly Moore just sending this from practice. This was um, Nito Niederreiter um, uh, just uh, just a few minutes ago, and I think he says something that's very important that I want to make sure we get on. I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, I think that you never can be prepared for for a trade. So uh, I was just in the bus going back to the team hotel and then got called in, up in the front of the bus and got the news. And obviously telling all the boys in the bus that you get traded was definitely an emotional part, but I'm definitely very excited to be here now. Yeah, and, and always having played in the States, I guess it shouldn't have been a surprise that you didn't have a Canadian visa. Uh, so I guess uh, was that something that also had to be taken care of along with a few other things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in, I was in Arizona yesterday. I didn't bring my passport at all with me so I knew you had to go back to Nashville and it was definitely a long travel day yesterday but I'm happy to be here now and I'm looking forward to it. Didn't know he didn't even bring his passport so he had no idea or even had the thought that he was going to get traded. He got called to the front of the bus. Is this 19 whatever? Like I mean <laughs> yeah. again it speaks to me of it, not only do I like Nino Ryder as a player and a huge addition to this team he is. It's the second round pick given up for him. That is next to nothing. Yeah. When you look at what was going yesterday, the Predators could have easily held out for a second and a third. And we're talking next term year two. or this year. Yeah, he's available. In he's at four million dollars yeah. for the next year as well, and yeah. he's going to be in the top six. And if he's not in the top six, it's because Cole Perfetti is all of a sudden next year better than Nino Niederreiter. Yeah. So, for a second round pick, it's a great addition, and and it speaks to Stasny wasn't available, and yet he ended up being a Jet. Yeah, Niederreiter had no clue that, and it sounds to me that the Nashville mm-hmm. Predators had no clue 
that they were going to be sellers until Niederreier walked to the front of the bus. Maybe it was just Tampa called them and said, we're going to give you an insane amount for Tanner Janot, and that just changed their plans. They Chevel Dayoff got in there before the Janot stuff came up. He, uh, maybe he, it was already, obvi- but maybe he was mixing around Cheval a little Dayoff bit already. Obviously, got in there and said, "If and when, if and when I'm involved, if and when." Yeah. And, and Tampa Bay got in there after they said, "It's when we are selling," yeah. and that's the difference here. Otherwise, there's two more picks or, or picking another prospect going to Nashville for this. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Hopefully, we'll get to a couple text messages. We we, we got tons of them today uh, from uh, all kinds of opinions all over the place. Wish we can get some more on here because it really is some great stuff. And I wish I could answer everybody, but like this is one of those days where we get like like <laughs> way too many for me to get to. So.